Amen. You may be seated, everyone. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have one, go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 4. I want to welcome you. Uh, if this is your first time at New Life, um, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life. And at the end of our service, I'll be downstairs in the lobby. Some of our staff will be downstairs as well. And if we've never met, I'd love to shake your hand and get your name. I want to welcome those watching online as well. Uh, before I get into our, our message today, uh, next Saturday, we have a Rule of Life workshop. Uh, for the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be focusing our, our preaching series. It's going to be through our Rule of Life. And in your bulletin, you probably received a, a postcard that looks just like this here to remind you uh, of the kind of practices that we're called to hold together as a church family. Make sure you get one of these, put it on your refrigerator, in your office cubicle, on your desk. Uh, if you're an Uber driver, put it on your dashboard there, wherever you're at there. Uh, just, just reminds us of the, of the kind of community we are called to be. And for those of you who signed up for our Emotionally Healthy Relationships course, at the end of this service, there's going to be an orientation. So just right up through those stairs. If you've taken the course, the, the course is, uh, is full at this point. But if you've taken it, you want a quick orientation, Pastor Pete is going to be leading that time in the upper stage room right through those doors. Now, today is Vision Sunday. Uh, every year in September, we are reminded uh, of who we are as a church and what we're called to do in this city. And so for some of you, this is going to be the first time that you, you've heard, you're going to hear our values and our vision laid out uh, in very clean and, uh, clear and plain language. For others, this is going to be a reminder uh, of the kind of church that we're called to be and the kind of uh, Christian we're called to be in this particular Context And Vision Sunday is always great because I get to go out of 30,000 foot level to let us know this is who God has called us to be. And so a couple of days ago, there was um, the Apple conference came out and they were sharing new uh, technology and new products. And it was like a church service. It was like a worship service. So they were, they were cheering and everything like that. Vision Sunday is kind of like that, except uh, I'm not sharing new technology and products. I'm sharing ancient truth and practices, all right? And so who has God called us to be and what has God called us to do in this great city of ours? And so we're going to be looking at uh, Galatians chapter 4, uh, beginning at uh, verse 19 is the only verse I want to focus on. And I cut off mid-sentence here. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Galatia and, uh, and the, what is now the, uh, Turkey. And he writes these words, these, these deep, compassionate words. This is what Paul says. He says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. The Apostle Paul is saying, I am in the pains of childbirth for one purpose, and that one purpose is for Christ to be formed in you. And this is the essence of Vision Sunday, for us to be reminded of this deep call and the ways that God wants to form Christ in our lives, deep beneath the surface of our lives. And so let's pray. Let's offer our time to God. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth today. Lord Jesus, on this Vision Sunday, we are reminded of who you are, your grace towards us, your mercy and compassion towards us. And Lord, would you uh, open our eyes so that we may see uh, what you've called us to do in this city and what you've called us to be as individuals and as a church family together. We offer this time to you 
It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Our mission at New Life is to be a multiracial community transforming lives, deeply transforming lives through Jesus for the sake of the world, just uh, much like what we just sang a moment ago. And we have said it in many different ways, but over 31 years of our church's existence, this has been our mission. Now, 31 years ago, there was a young couple in 1987 who started New Life Fellowship Church, a guy named Pete and Jerry. Look at that mustache. There you got it. There's, uh, I, I'm, I, let's, I want a campaign for the mustache to come back there. And uh, Pete and Jerry had a vision to see lives transformed. And uh, the first church that New Life met in was in this small church in, in Corona, Queens, not too far from here. And many lives were transformed. Many lives came to know Jesus. And soon after, uh, our church was growing. Many We were starting new churches in different parts of the city, so much so that we were growing. And we actually, in the mid-'90s, moved into this space to begin, to begin renting this facility here. In 2003, we would actually purchase this uh, building, purchase this property. But over the course of 31 years, whether in that small church in Corona or this church here in Elmhurst, Queens, we have had a vision to see lives transform. God has called us to experience transformation deep beneath the surface of our lives. And this is why we exist as a church. Now, there are a few things that are as compelling as seeing stories of transformation. When you see someone who experiences some kind of drastic weight loss and we see the before picture and the after picture, so much so that you can't recognize the person, we are compelled to see stories of transformation. Whether it's someone who is uh, scrawny and then puts on a whole lot of muscle and you see the before and the after, we love stories of transformation. But there is no uh, story of transformation, no image of transformation that's more compelling than to see someone who experiences Christ, someone before Christ and someone after Christ. And yet Jesus Christ, transformation is an ongoing thing that is to be deep beneath the surface of our lives, which is why the iceberg is our logo as our church. That an iceberg is 10% of the iceberg is seen, 90% of the iceberg is not seen. And what God wants to transform is not just the surface stuff. God wants to transform us deep beneath the surface of our lives. And sadly, what often happens in church contexts is churches and Christians settle for surface transformation. Maybe we don't go to the places we used to go and hang out with the people we used to hang out with or smoke the things we used to smoke or drink the things we used to drink. But yet we we, we settle for behavior modification. But as you know, you can have a lot of behavior modification but not experience transformation. You can change stuff that you were doing long time ago and not experience the deep transformation that only Jesus Christ could affect in your life. And so what we're about as a church is going deep beneath the surface, having Christ transform all of us, not just some of us. And to the extent that this is our reality, we will experience transformation. Now, the goal of Christian spirituality is very simple. And the goal of transformation is very simple. And it is this. Jesus Christ, is Jesus Christ forming you into his image? Are you looking more like Christ? As days go by, as weeks go by, as years go by, as decades go by, is the life of Jesus 
being formed in your life? Is he forming your very life? And this is what the Apostle Paul in Galatians 4 is after. This is what the Apostle Paul is writing about. This is why he uses dramatic language like I'm in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, Paul writes to this church in Galatia, and you can see from the very onset of the letter how perplexed he is with this community. Because when you look at the other letters that Paul writes to the churches, whether it's Ephesus, whether it's the book of Colossians, whether it's the book of Corinthians, whether it's the book of Romans, Paul begins every letter with a lot of prayer and intercession and praise. He talks about how much he loves this congregation. In the beginning of the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul looks at the Ephesian church, and in verse 3 in chapter 1, he says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He starts telling them their status. He tells them their identity. He tells them how fond he is of them. He tells them of his love for them. He begins, and then he talks about business. But in Galatians, the apostle Paul begins, he says, grace and peace, and then he goes, how could you? From the very beginning, he is perplexed by these Galatians, and he is, he, he is perplexed and confused and puzzled because they started off one way, and they started going in another. What began to happen was there was, after Paul uh, kind of gave them the seed of the gospel and who they were in Christ, Paul left to start other churches, and, and some infiltrators came in, some false teachers came in. And they began to say to the Christians that Jesus wasn't enough. That it's Jesus plus some other stuff, to, uh, which, is, which will make you God's people, which will, which will make you fully formed. And so the, these false teachers said, yes, trust in Jesus, but you need to be circumcised. Yes, trust in Jesus, but you have to observe holy days. Yes, trust in Jesus, but you have to do these customs. And what Paul is saying is, no, the only one who can transform us and form us deeply is not Jesus and something else. It's Jesus. And so he's perplexed by these people because they've missed out on something. And Paul says, no. And and he gets in verse verse 19 of chapter 4. He is perplexed and he wants to let them know, this is my heart for you. My dear children for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. He's laboring in this way until Christ is formed in you. Paul wants us not just to have a surface cosmetic relationship with Jesus. He wants the church to experience profound transformation, profound spiritual formation. And the question we need to ask ourselves is very simple. Is your life being transformed? Are you allowing Jesus to transform your life, to form your life, Are you different a year ago from today? Have you given Jesus access to the deepest part of your life and to every aspect of your life? This is essentially what Paul is getting at. I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, in certain church traditions, the way to showing that you have a changed heart is by doing different external things. But it's often easy to focus on the externals without focusing on the internal. And what's dangerous about this is the reality that on the outside, you can look transformed. But on the inside, nothing has changed at all. And this is very deceptive. 
And this is very dangerous. That on the outside, you can look the parts, but on the inside, not so much. It reminds me, uh, uh, there was some years ago where uh, every time I would get a, 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 a car inspection, every year I would dread the day to get a car inspection because I always had the check engine light on the dashboard. I could never get the check engine light off the dashboard. Now, back in the day, whenever you had to get an inspection and the check engine light went on, I, I mean, I go to my uncle, I say, listen, it's up there, but let me just ask, give a little, a little something else, uncle. This is before I was a Christian, right? And, and, and this pass, it helped me to pass the inspection. But I found out recently, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> that there's a machine right now that the, the technology that exists today, you cannot fake it till you make it. <laughs> you, you cannot manipulate the system so that you can pass the inspection. And so I would go to get my, my car inspected. I washed the car. <laughs> I put armor all on the tire, got nice and shiny, I'm vacuuming to get the inspection. But do you know what? The machine could care less whether the car has a car wash. The machine could care less whether it has shiny tires. The machine could care less whether the car is vacuumed. All the machine wants to know is, is what's happening under the hood fixed? Has it been changed? Has it been formed? Because unless that happens, we're not passing. And God is saying, I could care less about your surface transformation. I could care less about your external changes and behavior modification. What Jesus Christ wants to know is, are you fully formed? Are you being transformed from the inside out, not from the outside in? And this is what Vision Sunday is about. To remind us of the call of Christians and this community in particular to be fully formed and transformed by the living Jesus. This is what Paul wants to make clear. He's saying the purpose of Christianity is not just so that you can make a decision for Christ. The purpose of Christianity is to have Christ live in you, to have Christ fully form you. We just don't want to get people into heaven. We want to get the life of heaven into people. This is what Paul is getting at today. And so Paul says, I am laboring for this reality to be true of our lives. And may this be the same labor that we all have for our own lives. And for the sake of the world, this is what Vision Sunday is about. And it is my hope that we can get a vision of the transformation that Jesus wants to effect in our lives and the various ways that Christ wants to do that. Now, Vision Sunday is an opportunity for us to look at our particular values, our particular, the particular grace that the Holy Spirit has entrusted to us. And every church has a different grace on it. Every local community has a different grace, a particular anointing, a particular way that the Holy Spirit is at work in that local context. This is not a better thing. This is not a, I'm better than you. I'm less than you. It's every church has a different charism, different grace, different anointing, different way that the Holy Spirit is pouring out in that local community. In over 31 years, the Holy Spirit has entrusted us with a particular set of values, calling us to emphasize, calling us to pay close attention to. We call them our five M's. And I want to share these five values, and we do this every fall, every September, to be reminded of the depth of transformation that God has for you, that God has for your marriage, that God has for your family, 
that God has for our church as a whole. Our first M, to be transformed, is what we call monastic, that we are called to be a monastic community, to be a monastic Christian. That is to slow down our lives to be with God, that our lives would be slowed down, our lives would have a rhythm to be with God, out of which we do for God. Now, this phrase monastic is not a phrase that we use every day here in the city. It comes from monasticism, which is a long-standing tradition in the church, whereby followers of Jesus would feel this call to devote their entire lives to prayer, to devote their entire lives to study, to devote their entire, to devote their entire lives to, to be a particular community known by rhythms of prayer. And while many of us in this room, all of us in this room might not be called to a monastery particularly or to this kind of expression, all of us have a little monk living inside of us. (laughs) All of us have a little nun living inside of us. It was Ken Shigematsu, one of our friends, he'll be preaching here in a few weeks. He says that every one of us has a monk or nun embryo living inside of us. We all long for something more than the rat race, rushing through life without ever living. All of us, whether you know it or not, your heart is crying out for communion with God. Your heart is crying out for a kind of pace, for a kind of life, for a kind of depth that can experience God and his love, God and his grace, God and his power. And we need this value desperately because we live in the city that never sleeps. We live in a context that works against this. We are coming against powers and principalities that seek to cut you off from Jesus with its frenetic pace. We are invited to a kind of monastic existence to slow our lives down, to be transformed by God. There's a wonderful book I've been rereading again, and I read almost every fall. It's called In Praise of Slowness, In Praise of Slowness. And in one of the chapters, it's entitled Slow is Beautiful. And the author writes about a man named John Gertner, who in 1901, 117 years ago, coined the term New York-itis to describe an illness whose symptoms included edginess, quick movements, and impulsiveness. And at the time, 1901, he said it was a disease which affects a large percentage of the inhabitants of Manhattan Island. Now, this is 1901. (laughs) Could you imagine what New York Island looks like today? 117 years later, and yet he saw something that we can be affected in such affected and infected in such a way that we live according to a pace. We live a life that is not slowing down to experience the kind of communion that God longs for us to have. And this New York-itis affects everyone. Symptoms include <laughs> fatigue and anger and irritability and being overworked and rushing and impulsive. I, I mean, this is what we all have. And the antidote to it, the prescription for it is to be monastic, 
to slow down our lives to be with God. And so very simply, our vision as the church is to slow you down. Our vision as the church is to have you remember things like Sabbath keeping, where where, where 24 hours each week we slow down to stop, to rest, to delight, to contemplate. Our vision as the church is to remind you of the treasures of silence and the treasures of solitude and the gift of prayer. Our vision as the church is to remind you that our lives will not be formed unless we slowly take in Scripture and allow the words of Scripture to so penetrate our very heart. We are called to be a monastic community. And my prayer is that over the course of this year, that God will slow you down, that you will slow yourself down to experience a depth of love and communion that is waiting for you. We are called to be monastic. Now, it is out of this call to be monastic that we have our second M. And that is, unless we have a life with God, we cannot do the next thing, which is to be a multiracial community. We are called to be a multiracial community, bridging racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. Now, we live in, a, in this neighborhood here in Elmhurst, Queens. We, we have a church here, which National Geographic called at one point the most diverse zip code in the world. 123 languages spoken at the nearby hospital. To take out $20 at ATM, bank, Chase Bank, you need to have 20 options before you. A very puzzling uh, existence to be in. And yet God has called us to this community to reflect something of the kingdom of God. And one of the things that we have to note is that when Jesus calls his church The end game of the kingdom of God is not diversity. That when God thinks about the church, God does not have in mind diversity as the end goal. When Jesus forms the church, it's not diversity. When Jesus forms the church, the end goal is a diverse new family. Because you can have diversity, but not have a new family. We call that a subway car. Where you get a a crowd of anonymous, diverse people in close proximity together. And you're certainly not feeling like family. There's not a lot of love happening on the subway. And the church is meant to be more than just a sanctified subway car. Where we look the part and say the part and sing the songs. But our lives are not joining together as a new family. The end of the kingdom of God is not diversity. The goal of the kingdom of God is a diverse new family. And this is what you see from the very onset of Jesus' ministry. Jesus gathers people together who often shouldn't belong together. People who have different political allegiances. People who have different goals and values for their lives. And yet Jesus would gather this motley crew of 12 disciples and say, I want you to follow me together. They were called to follow me. You're called to follow me together with, with all your differences. We're called to hold, be held together as a family. And when Jesus chooses his disciples, it's interesting that he doesn't choose his disciples based on shared interests, based on shared values, based on similar personality types, based on who they would vote for. That's how we gather with people. 
We gather with people with personalities that are similar. We gather with people with shared interests. We gather with people with similar political affiliations. And yet the church is to be more than a place where we gather together because we have everything in common. We gather together because we have one thing in common. It is Jesus Christ who's bringing people who would never be together and drawing them together into becoming one new redeemed family, bridging racial, cultural, gender, and economic barriers. This is why we have a call to the poor and under-resourced in this community, why we want to see women empowered, why we want to bridge every gap that exists in our, in our world because Jesus Christ is not just about diversity. The kingdom of God is about a diverse new family. And so as a church, we're committed to tearing down walls of racial injustice. This is why those who are oppressed on the margins like immigrants and the unborn and those in poverty are those who we care deeply about. We are called to tear down walls in the name of Jesus. And so we're called to be a, a, a multiracial community. And it's very easy to come to church on Sunday but not have your life formed by this family. And the invitation over the course of the next year is not just to come on Sundays but to have your very life shaped by people who don't look like you or vote like you or think like you or shop like you or, or root for the same sports teams as you. <laughs> We'll leave that last one on the side. But, but everything else, we're called to be a multiracial community. But listen, we need a life with God to have a multiracial community. But you know what else we need to have a multiracial community? It's, it's this next value. Because once you get a, a group of different people in close proximity with each other, you're going to need to learn how to love. And this next value is essentially about that. We're called, our, our third value is emotional health. And we're called to be a church that loves well. And emotional health is, in our context here, is about loving ourselves and loving others well. Emotional, emotional health is about integrity. It's about integration. That there's congruence on the inside and the outside, but at the core of it is learning how to love well. And over the years, I've gone through my own journey of emotional health, going beneath the surface of the iceberg to experience the kind of transformation that Jesus has wanted to bring in my life. And many of you have done the same. Now, when I talk about emotional health here at New Life, I'm talking about many things. But this is what God is inviting us to on this Vision Sunday. And this is some of the stuff here that I'm going to share is uh, Pete has talked about it and written about it a bit, and I've added some of my own thoughts here. But when I talk about emotional health and being the kind of community that's growing in maturity, growing in love, growing in reconciliation, we're talking about some of these things here. To be emotionally healthy in this community is talking about naming, recognizing, and managing your own feelings. It's about identifying with and having active compassion for others. It's about initiating and maintaining close and meaningful relationships. It's about being aware of how our past impacts our present. When we talk about emotional health, we're talking about developing the capacity to express our thoughts and feelings clearly 
both verbally and non-verbally. It's about respecting and loving others without having to change them. About asking for what we need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, respectfully. We're talking about accurately self-assessing our strengths, our limits, and weaknesses, and freely sharing them with others. About learning the capacity to resolve conflict maturely and to negotiate solutions that consider the perspective of others. And finally, when we talk about emotional health, talking about grieving well, allowing grief to shape your life and form your life in the way of Jesus. This is why I believe from time to time, and I say from time to time, we should, we should have a sign in the front of our church which says, enter at your own risk. <laughs> because what we are inviting you into is not just surface modification and behavior modification. We're inviting you to a life that's about being transformed beneath the surface of our lives. And so here we are. We're called to be a monastic community slowing down to be with God. And the question is, how's your pace? How's your rhythm? We're called to be a multiracial community bridging racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. The question is, are you allowing others to shape your life? Are you working for justice and reconciliation in the world? We're called to be an emotionally healthy community, loving ourselves and others well. The question is, are you allowing God to navigate your past and the space, your, your, your inner space, your outer pace, what's happening on the inside of your life? But fourth, to be a part of this community, and on Vision Sunday, we are reminded of this call of marriage to Christ, our fourth M, marriage to Christ. Now, this is a significant value because when you look at marriage in the Bible, marriage comes up over and over in the Bible. The Bible begins with a wedding in Adam and Eve. The Bible ends with a wedding in the kingdom of God coming, heaven and earth being married together, God and his people being married together. And in the middle of the Bible, you have this, song, this, this, this book called Song of Songs, which is about a book of sensuality, sensual, erotic, marital covenant love. And so from the very beginning, you see a wedding. In the middle, you see sensual, erotic, uh, sexual love. And at the end, we see everything being consummated with God coming to creation, Jesus loving the church. And so if this is the, a, a biblical, a quick biblical and theological vision of what the Bible is, Jesus is known as the bridegroom. That's how he identifies himself in the Gospels. His first miracle is at a wedding, turning water into wine. And so this theological vision is to shape, namely, three things. Number one is to shape our marriages. I read a statistic that said there are only uh, 7% of marriages that are, uh, that are exceptional, that people would say this is an exceptional marriage because marriage is hard work. But if we don't have a vision of what God wants to do in our married lives, we're not going to get very far. And yet this is what we're called to be as a church that if you're married here, my prayer is that a year from today, you can look back and see that your marriage is experiencing a depth of love, a depth of joy, a depth of passion, a depth of faithfulness that flows out of being married to Christ. Now, this is not just marriages. This value speaks to our singleness as well. That the, the goal of singleness as a Christian single person is not just to survive until 
Prince Charming or Princess, oh, 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 oh give me a name here. Uh, uh, <laughs> Belle, okay, uh, shows up. That often when you look at single people in the church, the, the best theology that the church gives is, hold on. And don't do anything stupid. Hold on. There's got to be a better theological vision than, hold on. When we are reminded that Jesus Christ, our Savior, was single, that the Apostle Paul was single, that he shows us a, a, a vision that just because you are single doesn't mean you are deficient. And may we have a vision for not just our married lives, may we have a vision for our single lives as well. And so it speaks to our married lives, it speaks to our single lives, and it speaks to the integration of our spirituality and our sexuality, that the two are deeply tied together. And, it, and our sexuality is to be informed by a theological vision of marriage to Christ. And so what I do with my body matters. And who I do whatever with with my body matters. Because of this value of marriage to Christ. And may it be said a year from now of your life. That not just your marriage is growing, your singleness is growing, you're seeing a greater intersection of your spirituality and your sexuality. This is what the goal of this value is, to see our lives flowing out of marriage to Christ. That's our fourth value. Here's our last one. We're called to be a monastic community, a multiracial community, an emotionally healthy community, a community married to Christ. But it doesn't end there. We're also called to be a missional community. That we are called here not just to gather on church services on Sunday and go about our business. We're called to get something done in this city. We're called to be as sent people. That God has deposited gifts of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Passions and experiences. And God is calling you to be sent out in the world on mission. And whether that mission field is your home, whether that mission field is your neighborhood, your school, your place of work, wherever it is, God has sent you. And my hope is that you would see your life as one who was sent by Jesus. That New Life is not just to be a healing place. For many people, people come to New Life Fellowship Church to experience healing from past trauma, healing from being burnt out, healing from brokenness. And we want to be a healing place for those people. But we also want to be a sending place. That God has called us to be sent into the world, which is why we believe that every person is in full-time ministry. That there's no secular sacred divide. That what I do is not more important than what you do. My job is to help cultivate and steward what you do on a regular basis to bear witness to what Jesus is doing in your workplace and in our city and in our schools. But we are all called to be on mission. This is why we have a community development corporation. Why we have nine different programs that we're trying to see Elmhurst flourish. That downstairs, in the back of our showroom, we have a, a health center downstairs. And this is one of the pediatric medical suites there, medical rooms there. Where we see over 2,000 patients a year who are under-resourced and overlooked. And offer them medical support, dental support, social work support. We're here to get something done in our city. Not be passive, but to be on mission sent by God. 
This is why we have not just a community development corporation on one end, but we have a global ministry on the other in emotionally healthy discipleship. We were trying to form and shape churches around the world and in this country to have a robust, deep spirituality where people are being transformed into the image of Jesus. And these two courses, this one course and these two parts flow out of our church of looking beneath the surface and having emotionally healthy relationships. We're called to be on mission, sent by Jesus into the world. And God, I believe, has sent you here, not just to experience some form of healing, but because he has something for you to do, something for you to accomplish, something to get done. We are a missional community. Now, I want to end with very simple next steps. In recent days, we've created a new diagram called our pathway to help you begin to apply and integrate these values in a way that's pretty simple. And we wanted to do this because it's very easy to to come to a church and feel stuck, to not know what's my next step, what do I do next? And so on this Vision Sunday, I want to share with you this, this diagram here that's recently been created. Our church is really geared around how do you make your next step really in community, in formation, and in mission. Those are the containers, if you will, to help us live our values out effectively, to be a multiracial community, deeply transforming lives through Jesus for the sake of the world. For some of you who are new to this church, part of the pathway is helping you go from A to B, from here to there. And some of you might begin in community where you have life in community. At the end of the third service, we have a newcomer's lunch. Our, our hope is to help you move from one point to the next. And whether it's a newcomer's lunch or whether you're not a Christian in this place, you're investigating Christianity, you have questions about Christianity, we have a course called Alpha that we want to connect you with over eight weeks where there's, there's a meal, there's conversations where you can ask any question about where you're at on the journey. We have something called Communitas, which is our membership course. For those of you who maybe you've been coming to New Life for a while, but you realize, I need to get rooted in this place. I need to take the next step. I need to begin using my gifts and what God has done in me for the sake of those around me. Or whether it's joining a a small group or community, which we'll have next week, for, for you, maybe you begin with this community phase on the pathway, but we don't stop there. We have a formation phase of the pathway. And the formation phase, the reason we put it this way is because our core discipleship, spiritual formation course is the emotionally healthy discipleship course. And there's two parts to them, as I just mentioned. And my hope is that if, you, if you've been coming to, I can't tell you how many people I meet from time to time who say, I've been coming for a long time, but I've never taken this course. This is our DNA, to get shared language, to have practices that root us in God's love for the sake of the world. And so for those of you who haven't taken that, we want you to take the course. And then out of that place, there are other equipping opportunities and formation opportunities and connecting opportunities, but it doesn't stop there. We're called to be on mission. And whether that mission in, includes serving with our community development corporation, whether it's about serving on a Sunday morning, like many of our volunteers do, 
Whether it's leading a or hosting a missional small group, that is a small group that is geared around discipleship and evangelism and mission, to lead others, to invite others into that space. What's your next step? Jesus Christ wants to form us. Paul says, I am in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And what Christ wants to do is form us in deep ways in community, deep ways in formation, deep ways in mission. I want to invite the worship team to come forward. But in your bulletin, you have a card that looks just like this here. And we changed this card because it used to be called a connection card. And basically what we would do is we'd gather your information and reach out to you. But it felt too passive for us. And some of you, you would see the card and, and yeah, whatever, it has nothing to do with me. But we changed it because every week is an opportunity to take a next step. And so whether your next step is coming to a newcomer's lunch, getting baptized, joining a ministry, going through a course, the last thing we want to do is just be people who get stuck. We are people who are to be on the move because God is on the move. And so I want to invite you to fill this out, whatever your next step is. You can bring it downstairs to the, the welcome table, the small group table, hand it to one of our staff. But on this Vision Sunday, we are invited to, to have Jesus form us deeply in these values, to move in towards community, to be formed in, and, and to be formed in discipleship and formation, to be on mission. Now, I know what it's like, the, the pain of, of this. Paul says, the pain of childbirth. I know what it's like, or I know what it's like to see someone in labor. I don't know what it's like, but I know what it's like to see. And I've seen the, the pain, the commitment, the perseverance, the joy that comes out of labor, the gift that comes out of labor. This is what Paul's saying. As a mother is in the pain of childbirth, the labor of it all, he says, so I labor to have Christ formed in you. And that's my heart for our congregation. I, I, I'm laboring to see Christ formed in you. That's Christ. Christ wants to see his life formed in you. And we are called to have that kind of intention, that kind of passion to see God formed and Christ formed in the world around us. Let's pray. Let me invite you to close your eyes. For those of you watching online, feel free to close your eyes. And I wonder what your next step is on this Vision Sunday. Very simply, the, the goal of our next step is to be formed more like Jesus to look more like Jesus, to have his life shape ours. For some of you, you've been isolated, and maybe your next step is community. For some of you, you've been kind of on autopilot, and your next step is taking responsibility for your spiritual formation and being formed. For those of you, you have gifts and passions and yet, for way too long, you haven't done anything with them. And God is calling you to be on mission. 
whatever your next step is, my prayer is that you would be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit today. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you for your deep commitment towards us, your covenant love, your passion and compassion. And Lord, may our lives be marked by your love. May you form us, slow us down, Lord. May we say yes to a new family created in Jesus, to orienting all of our lives in your name. And so we offer ourselves to you. We sing to you now. We pray these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing together.
Amen. Amen. Let's have our prayer team come to my left. Invite those who are going to be offering. One of our elders, Andy, is going to be offering the bread and the cup. Downstairs in the shell room, you can make your way through that door for the express lane. It's Vision Sunday, so we have donuts downstairs, all right? Um, we go big time on Vision Sunday. Uh, and so there's donuts, there's coffee downstairs. If you want to connect with folks, if you're new to our church, I'd love to meet you. Uh, right through those doors as well, going up one flight there. If, you're, if you signed up for the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course, you can get an orientation with Pastor Pete uh, in there. And so feel free to stop by. But uh, maybe you came in here today and you just need to be reminded of God's love. You need someone to pray with you, to anoint you with oil as a sign of the Holy Spirit's presence on your life. Our prayer team is here for whatever needs you have. And maybe you you feel like you need to grow on one of those values. Maybe you don't know how to love yourself or love others well. Maybe you've been triggered by people who are different than you. Maybe your life has been so frenetic that to slow down seems like an impossibility. Whatever it is, our prayer team is here to pray for you and pray with you. And to my right, we have the Lord's table where we come and we eat and drink of Jesus. We take bread and dip it in the cup and we are reminded of the extent to which God went to be in relationship with you, dying on a cross, resurrecting in power, forgiving you and pouring out grace. And so we were reminded that Jesus Christ, we, we, we're taking in the, the wafer and we're saying, Lord, would you form me? Would you, would you mold me into your image? Shape me in the way that I should go. And so as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven. If you're new to our church, we close every gathering like this because this is a, a posture of receiving. The world's posture is grasping, control manipulation, anxiety. The Christian's response is to be one of freedom and receiving and dependence and trust. And so with your hands in your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the truth that Jesus is alive and that he wants to form you and form the world around you. May he empower you to be on mission wherever you go this week. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the transforming name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen.